Welcome to the Conscious Christian Conversations podcast. I'm Tanya. And I'm Kyleen. We are two spunky Christians with diverse backgrounds and life experiences who want to encourage each other and you listening to challenge your subconscious beliefs. Each episode, the two of us will be having a conversation around a specific topic that we may or may not have different perspectives on. If you haven't already, please listen to episode one to learn what we are all about. Without further ado, here is today's episode. All right, Tanya, what are we talking about today? Quiz. Well, hey, psychedelics. <laughs> I am excited about this, actually. I, I um, am curious. Let's just like roll off, off the top. What like one sentence or actually just for it or against it, the use of? Oh, that's very black and white. I don't know if I can give you a very black and white answer. Um, Okay. I I guess if I have to choose one or the other, I would say against it only because I know that it can be very helpful in certain medicinal things. And I know we'll talk about that, but um, because I feel like as humans, it's too easy. Like the same thing with alcohol. That doesn't mean that I don't drink it, but it's too easy to fall into that trap. And, you know, you, you use it for like, a certain purpose, but then you really enjoy how you feel with it. And then it becomes more frequent. And then we start having, you know, that problem. So I guess if I had to choose one gun to my head, it would be against only because for everyone. Um, well, definitely for myself. Um, yeah, I don't know that I would ever be willing to try it. It, it would have to be a pretty extreme. Okay, this, is good. this is good. Cause we have totally opposite perspectives. <laughs> Oh, yay. We're going to argue today. Okay. <laughs> Way to debate, Tanya. We're oh, to that's debate. right. That's right. It's not arguments. So, um, yeah. But that's probably I, because I'm like, I'm a super goody two shoes. And so like, I would never even think about, like, I won't even try thinking about marijuana, although I do drink alcohol. So really, I mean, you know, I, I, I don't, I'm not consistent in my beliefs. <laughs> I do. Um, I actually put alcohol in a separate category. Like, I don't think that it fits within this category because of how it interacts with your body and your brain. I do think it's like totally different. So if I had to, um, if I had to say just like for it or against it, I would say for it. And then the rest of this, I think is going to be, um, this conversation is going to be explaining why and explaining in what context, because, um, I think that both of us would probably agree just general recreational use um, to quote unquote, get high is not something that I feel like is a great idea. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. right. Um, Yeah, so- Well, I think that also understanding our backgrounds would be helpful um, a little bit as well. Like there's a strong reason that I am more against it than I am for it, right? So- Yeah, being a police officer, yeah. Yeah. I've seen the, the, I've seen the negative downstream effects of drug use, um, even if it starts out as a benign thing and what people like just the, the lives that are destroyed, not just the individual using the drugs, but, um, the people around them and the loved ones, right? Like just the devastation that can happen from it. And so that's why I say like, we're just, we're just weak creatures. You know, it's kind of our inherent nature. We find something that we enjoy. We want to keep doing it. Like we're wired that way. That's how our neurotransmitters work. And so 
we get rewarded with good feelings when we do something that boosts certain neurochemicals and we keep chasing that, um, even if we have the best of intentions not to. So I think for me, um, and also I was, like I said, I was raised as a goody two shoes. I never wanted to think about touching drugs. And so the idea of psychedelics is like, oh my goodness, no, I would never do that. But, um, you know, more and more, some of the studies coming out about, you know, medicinal mushroom use and things like that have some very promising effects for PTSD and, you know, some other stuff. So when my, when marijuana was first legalized, like I was, I was horrified. I was like, oh my goodness. But, oh my gosh, that's funny. I was so yeah, but yeah, well, you know, and, and again, it came from, from my seeing, you know, the progression from marijuana use to, you know, harder drugs and, and all that kind of stuff. And, um, and so I think for me, like, it's hard to get over that, but I really try to be open-minded. And so now I'm at the point where I don't actually, I still am not a fan of medicinal marijuana use, but I absolutely love CBD because that the extract that is anti-inflammatory. I mean, there's so many good things that studies are showing on it, but then I struggle with the fact that God made things the way he made them as a whole plant. And there's going to be a reason that he did that. But again, can we use what he gave us in moderation without having it negatively affect us long-term? So that is my current struggle with marijuana slash psychedelics, which I know aren't even in the same realm, but like, you know, just in general. I think that, I think that is, but I think there is a difference between mm -hmm. uh, what, what you would consider to be plant medicine or psychedelics and, um, and drugs. So like pharmaceutical drugs that people are grabbing yeah. off the street and using to get high and to self-medicate. We so probably I, should clarify the, the language we're using. Yeah, yeah, I shouldn't, I shouldn't use them as synonyms. Well, because I, you brought up a point of like, it leads to other things. So like we, neither of us are in favor of abuse of, um, of narcotics or any, any sort of thing like that. So I think there definitely is a dif differentiation between that. So my, my perspective in terms of yes, if you had to be black and white about it, it'd be yes. But there's, there's, like you said, there's a lot of nuance that goes into why and particularly how. So one thing, I mean, that's kind of coming up through this conversation is we both can see benefits to, to the use in some instances. So uh, what do you do with that when you say, well, some people can handle it and some people can't? Right. Do you feel okay regulating people's choices? You know what I mean? That, that goes into a larger debate of like, people are always going to make bad decisions and um, always going to have free choice and going into, well, if you make it illegal, does that make a difference as to whether they do it or not? You know what I mean? So th there's different things in there, but that's not really the conversation. The conversation is, do we think there's benefit to it? And, and on a spiritual perspective, do we think it's wrong? So um, I think that there can be a lot of benefit <clears throat> when it's used appropriately and in the right context. And I think that that is really, 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 really important. So first of all, you have to know who you are. You have to understand yourself and your body really well, because if you, let's say, come from a family of addicts and you have the genetic predisposition, uh, you know, like my, my grandfather was uh, an alcoholic and a lot of members of my dad's family were alcoholics. And so he has never had a drop of alcohol in his life because he doesn't, like, he just views it as this thing that causes harm. And he never wanted to 
have a sip himself or even try. So he doesn't even know what his tolerance level is, right? So that's a choice that he made for himself. Now we did sort of say alcohol, at least I view it, alcohol is different. I don't necessarily see the same type of benefits drinking alcohol that you can with what we call plant right. medicine. So with yeah. plant medicine, I um, am very open to the concept. And I also um, know a lot of people who have gone through guided experiences. And mm -hmm. so the first thing, like I was saying, is I think that you have to know yourself. So are you somebody that is going to go through this experience and then quote unquote, want another hit? Because if that's mm -hmm. what you're going in for, don't do it. And, and, and right. of course we, we don't think that addiction is acceptable or healthy or, you know, anything like that. So um, you have to kind of be self-aware in, in that and understand your body and your genetics and your family history and your tendencies, right? And by the time you get into your late 20s or 30s, you probably have a good sense of that part of yourself, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, another thing to clarify, you know, with, with your concerns about drug use and stuff, let's not be talking about this for 15, 16, 17 year olds. But it's not even that, like I've seen women in their late thirties, you know, like respectable women with nurses or teachers. Um, I can think of one of each of those situations where it's like, they just went off the deep end and then just started in this addiction path. And it's like, now is that typically anyway. with, um, with things like cocaine and heroin and Fentanyl. Uh, in both instances, when I dealt with them, it was meth, but okay. yeah, it might've, I don't know where it started specifically. Yeah. So but all of that would be off the table in that in this conversation in terms of like, we don't, we, neither, neither of us would promote using anything like that. Right. Um, yeah, I, I guess, I guess I, I always lump like psychedelics to me are like LSD. Right. So I lump it all together. At, I'm, I, I guess I need to reevaluate like how I'm looking at plant medicine, like what we're talking about with, in my head, they're all drugs, yeah. right? I mean, I would say probably 90% of the stuff that I would be talking about in this category of um, using it for, yeah, I would even say using it for spiritual purposes um, uh, would be probably plant-based. And a couple things that work very similarly to plant medicine would actually be um, chemical based, but I, I think I would still group it into, into this, but, but to be clear, I'm not super, um, super familiar with all the details of that world. So I'm not going to like name everything, but yeah. what, what generally when we're talking about this, you are talking about marijuana, maybe to some extent, but more often you're talking about things like ayahuasca mm -hmm. or the different, um, things where you would actually go through a guided session. So like, I think not only is it important to go into this, uh, knowing yourself and making a choice based on who you are as an individual and your life experiences and your tolerances and all this kind of stuff, but it's also really important if you do something like this, that you go in with an intention. So like I said at the beginning, like I don't, I'm not saying, Hey, go, go use all of these things to just get high and to escape life. Like that's the addiction pattern. If you're right. using these to escape life or to numb out your emotions, like that's not what, what I feel is, um, acceptable use. What I think is acceptable use from, from a, from a biblical standpoint. So just what you're saying, well, you just expecting your personal. Okay. Yeah. In general, well, I mean, you know, I'm married to someone who was an addict in a different way, not drugs, but was a sex addict. And the 
patterns are all the same. So, and it really in life, anytime that we intentionally use something to numb out and avoid emotions, it's going to be, we're using that thing in an unhealthy way because, because a healthy emotional state means that we can feel our emotions when they're uncomfortable and we can process them and we can work through them. So, I mean, you can have a whole range of, of like on the spectrum of what that is. I mean, from we, people use food to numb out, right. All the way up to, um, hard, hard drugs on the street. So, but when we're talking about like psychedelics or plant medicine, when I say that I'm okay with it, I'm okay with it when somebody is doing, using it in a very intentional, conscientious way. It's a, a guided experience. Um, so it's, it's supervised and there's a reason that you're doing it. And it's not something that is like, I'm, I'm doing this every week to escape my life. Right. Right. Um, so I know I have never personally done one of those, but what I have done that's very similar is ketamine. And so ketamine, not in the, um, uh, you know, I'm just going to pop it myself situation, but medically supervised IV ketamine. Um, because they, uh, now are using that for anxiety, depression, OCD, all these different, um, brain, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like resetting. It like works on your synapses and, mm-hmm. um, and it really helps your brain heal when you are dealing with some chronic stuff. And so I actually looked into that when I was really struggling emotionally through my betrayal and recovery. And so I did use ketamine. So even though that, and this is one of the examples that I was kind of thinking about ketamine is man-made, like it's not, um, it is not, you know, quote unquote plant medicine, but it does something very similar with the regeneration of the brain and with taking you into this, this different, uh, consciousness. So that's one thing I definitely wanted to talk about with this. One of the reasons that I think this can be really helpful for people is it's essentially a way to bring up the subconscious and calm the conscious down. And so the conscious, I feel like is really associated with our physical body. And it's really like, it keeps us grounded and sort of in our physical meat suit and the reality of living as a human on earth. But I think our subconscious mind is actually more associated with the spiritual realm to some extent mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the way we live our lives generally is we have this subconscious that we're not really aware of kind of running all the time you know it basically our subconscious controls us and yet we're not aware of it we're not aware of what right. it's thinking and feeling and we're not tapping into it and a lot of times we suppress it because it brings up uncomfortable things to process as part of the healing journey but we're not ready and we don't have the tools and resources and right so like we don't generally we don't make friends with our subconscious but we're very aware of our conscious thoughts right that's what we're aware of every single day we think that's what's ruling us but really it's not it's our subconscious that's where all your trauma is stored it's where all your emotions are stored it's where all your limiting beliefs about yourself are created and all this kind of stuff so then we have like this wedge in between them that kind of keeps them separate well, when you do trauma work that works with the subconscious, that wedge kind of you go into the subconscious. But these uh, different modalities like ketamine or like ayahuasca or things like that, I feel like what they do is they actually sort of mush them so that you have more access to the subconscious. And I think in that aspect, you are more um, 
open to the spiritual realm. Now, people could argue that this is good or this is bad. And again, I think that that is why it's really important that you go in with an intention, that you go in with Let's a see. So, you know, if it does open you to the spiritual realm, are you at that point more um, open, do you feel, to a spiritual attack? Um, you know, I don't know, because uh, I, I think you're always susceptible to that, right? Yeah, but would this make you more susceptible? Is that where a bad trip comes from? I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think that's where like your intention going into it plays a huge role. Like, what are you looking for? What's your goal with this? What are you wanting kind to of setting up that, that God's armor, God's shield. You're, you're just, protect you. <clears throat> let me give you an example of this. It's completely non um, plant medicine. And I don't know if we've talked about this before, so you can stop me if we have, but when I was going through cancer treatment and I had chemo, chemo really essentially destroys your physical body. Mm -hmm. And, um, so while I was going through chemo, you know, you get very, it's a hard thing to explain, but as you go through it, because it's messing with your blood, your life source, right. And in between sessions, the, and, and the longer that it goes on, it's almost like you begin to separate from your physical body more and more. And the more that that happens, the more receptive to spir the spiritual world you are okay. and to, um, to God and things like that. At least that's how it felt for me. I was going to say, can I interrupt you for a minute? Is this common? Like, have you talked to other people who've gone through chemo? Is that a common no, no, this is, or is this, this is just personal. your experience? Yeah, this okay. is my personal experience. So I don't know if, if this is what happens to other people, but my experience has been that the more we separate from the physical body, the more we're receptive to the spiritual. Because if you think about it, we're spiritual beings in a physical body and yeah. But we are, but we live so much in the conscious physical that it, that we ignore and suppress and can't even listen to or receive the spiritual world around us. And as Christians, that's why kids have like, oh sorry, yeah, but was, yeah, like kids have such a, because they haven't learned how to suppress that connection to the spiritual. So like some things that my kids would say, like they saw angels all the time when they were little yeah. now as they're getting older. They don't see that anymore, but it's just like, yeah, I've always wondered if they've been closer. Oh, I think kids are super in tune with their subconscious mind way yeah. more than, than we think. And yeah. they're also very in tune with their emotions and their feelings. All of these yeah. things we're taught as we go through life to kind of ignore, right? Because I mean, think about from a spiritual level in, in the Christian church, <laughs> anything that talks about energy or you know, what kind of what we're talking about right now, it's very taboo to talk about these things, generally speaking. And you're just sort of taught that um, your prayer life is your spiritual life. And that's it, right? Like there is, right. no, yeah. there is nothing else. Like, if you were to say, I am able to energetically connect with another person, and um, I am able to interact in the spiritual realm, instead of viewing that as like one of the gifts of the spirit and figuring out like, oh, like, let's use this, let's work with this, this is coming from God. A lot of times you would be, be viewed as, oh, that's got to be satanic, or that's got to be you know, you're dabbling in woo and energy work. That can't yeah. be, you know what I mean? And I have a really hard time with that because we talked about this when we were talking about energy and stuff before, 
nothing is inherently evil. I think you can use anything for evil, of course, but nothing that God created is inherently evil. And so, you know, I had an ex one time that uh, told me that he, and he was a Christian and he said, um, you know, I can see the spiritual realm. I can see angels. I can see your guardian angel. I can see auras. I can see all that. And it, he hated it. And I was like, why would you do that? To me, I view that as a gift that you need to cultivate and practice and learn about and learn how to control it and learn how to use it. And why is it there? And, um, societally normal, right? So it's like, he probably felt like he had some sort of disease or something, you know what I mean? Like a mental problem. He didn't like it. I was like, dude, I think it's like the coolest thing because when we started amazing, I know I was like, what's my color is my aura? Like, and when I thought it was so fun because I had just gone through a divorce. And when we met, my aura was like all like dark gray. And then like later on, it was like pink. I was like, yeah, I have a pink aura. (laughs) (laughs) And and people listening to this are probably thinking it's like the stupidest thing they've ever heard. But like, he was like, you know, you have like a huge guardian angel. Like he could physically see my guardian angel. I'm like, you know, with everything that I've gone on that has happened in my life, I'm not surprised. I'm very for my large guardian angel. I I think he has put his work in. Oh, he's earned his wings there with you. Yeah. yeah, I think he's had his work cut out for him, protecting me and guarding me in this life. Um, Honestly, he's probably like, seriously, Kylie, like one more thing. (laughs) But, um, so, you know, I've been exposed to these things and, um, And also I've been exposed to them in um, people that would not call themselves Christian. So the reality is these things exist and I, I, and plants, like you were saying, are created in a certain way and they exist. Why do they exist? You know, Um, Mm -hmm. and what can we do with them? I don't necessarily think that calming your conscious mind down is a bad thing. So one thing I thought when, when we were coming into this conversation was people are going to use the verse um, possibly of, you know, pray without ceasing, because that's something it's like, okay, well, if you are, um, imbibing or whatever, and you're not as consciously aware, then you're not going to be able to be in this constant communication with God. And I actually think if you've ever experienced these things that you would find the opposite, I think it's going to be easy, easier for you when your conscious mind shuts up because it's so, our wait just to clarify you're not talking about alcohol you're talking about with the psychedelic use right well i mean c- could could it happen with alcohol i don't know i don't think alcohol really um do, i don't think it works the same way necessarily in the body yeah, see my my experience with alcohol is um i i i have alcoholism runs in both sides of my family and i tended uh, earlier in my life to drink a lot more than I should. I, I would never say I was alcoholic, but even up until a few years ago, like I would have, you know, two or three drinks a night and be like, totally fine. But I needed my two, two to three drinks. I had built up that tolerance. Right. So it was like no big deal. And, you know, God very clearly at one point told me no more like this, you're done. And he gave me the strength to be just walk away from it. And I did, and I haven't gone back to it, but now, so now I notice that if I do, um, there are some times where I give into temptation and, you know, you know, I'm with my husband and we had a bottle of wine together. And then I was like, oh, I want a martini now. Right. Like that's too much, two glasses of wine and a martini. No, but I do it sometimes. And I can't hear God talking back to me. Like I can normally hear his answers to me. Like I have conversations with him in my head mm-hmm. and, um, 
and I can't hear him. Like I'll pray and it's just radio silence. And so to me, it's like, wow, I have put my, put a barrier between us. And so now if I'm going to have any alcohol, like I pray about it first. I'm like, can I have this? Is this okay? And a lot of times, like if it's a small glass, it'll be like, yes. And then my instinct, like once I start drinking, I want that second, like I just do it out of habit. So now it's like, can I have the second one? And very rarely, like if it's a fun celebration time, he'll let me do it. But very rarely the answer is no, you've had enough. Like that's it. I'm like, dang it. Okay. <laughs> the question because I don't actually know the answer to this with alcohol because I've never done it. Um, but let's say we use alcohol the same way that we use the other examples. It's a guided experience. It's very intentional. You go in with a purpose and maybe there's someone helping you through it. So as your guard comes down a little bit, it um, you're asked certain questions to process. Could it potentially work the same way? I don't know. I do. I, I mean, generally feel like maybe like alcohol is like so toxic. It's just like it is a toxin. But I mean, yes. this other stuff but then too. if you think about like, these big tough guys who get all weepy and like, I love you. And they cry about, you know, like they're clearly getting in touch with things that they consciously are not in touch with when they're not. I think my experience and observation with alcohol has been that it doesn't change who you are, emphasizes who you are. Well, that's concerning because when I drink, I sometimes get very angry. in there to process yeah I do I really think that like like if if um like like people blame things on alcohol all the time and I don't I think if you are um if you have things inside of you it just comes out with alcohol it doesn't change any of your your inner self it just but I would also argue that the impact from a neurochemistry standpoint that alcohol has on some of the neurotransmitters that are more the stress neurotransmitters. And so then it kind of jacks up your stress response and we become more irritable when we have elevated levels of, you know, our, our catecholamine. So you have happy drunks, you have super chill people, you know what I mean? So like, yeah, but that could be a genetic thing based on how your body, what your body does with it, you know? Yeah, it could be. And it could, it could also just be like, um, if the same process is happening in everybody, if there's a genetic component and unresolved stuff, and then you put them together. Yeah, true. But I don't know. I, I like, this is all theory. This is just, um, yeah, right. But, right. But I think that, um, so let me talk, let me give you an example of like my ketamine experience. So ketamine is able to, and this is particular, I guess this is kind of interesting, particularly because it's not a plant. Um, and Sometimes people do this in a guided way. I did it in a, what, what I would call a supervised way, not guided. So like sometimes people go in and they actually like guide your experience through ketamine where they're asking you questions and helping you process trauma and like to get these deep effects because of what it does to your brain and your body. I just did it in a medically supervised way where they were making sure that I was okay um, throughout the hour or whatever that it was taking. But then um, there was no therapy or processing or anything like that. So I would just go in, get it, and then leave. And um, it was, I think, the fourth or the fifth one where it finally uh, clicked in a, in the right way where I was like figuring out how to use it. So uh, for example, I figured out that closing my eyes was better and listening to a certain kind of music was better. And when I had those things in place and um, 
and the right dose for my body, which I already established I'm a lightweight. So the first time was a little bit of a trip. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm figuring out kind of what worked for me. And then it was like the fourth or fifth session where, you know, and this is as I'm recovering from my betrayal and going through this and having all these, um, experiences and emotions. Um, it was the most like magical experience for me where Mm. I was like seeing colors and patterns. And it was like, I just felt like this, almost like this, it was just this relaxation and this happiness. And I said, what came out of my mouth was like, it's going to be okay. And I, that was the only session that I had where I did not want to come out of it. It was such a pleasant experience. Mm. I was like, I don't, I don't want to be done yet. Where the other <laughs> ones, I was kind of like, I'm tolerating this because I think it's good for my brain, like, uh, like on a medicinal level, but like, this isn't like the most pleasant thing in the world. And then that experience where everything was kind of aligned um, was just wonderful. Now, in that, in that particular place, if it had been guided, could it have been used um, in a more effective way? Could it have been a spiritual experience? I don't know. None of my ketamine experiences were what I would consider spiritual, but um, that one was magical. <laughs> you, did you have any more after that? Like how many did you have? Um, I don't think I had, I think I had a total of like six in the package and I never used the sixth one. Okay. Um, you ended on the good note and you're like, I'm done. That, that'll be the one that I remember. I can't remember. That may have been the one before the last one. I can't remember. It was a while ago. I oh, so there was only one, if you did have one after it, it didn't happen again. Okay. Yeah. It was, it was one that was like the best. It was like very mm-hmm. clearly everything was aligned and it was like, it worked really, really well. Um, but it was really you feel like it helped you overall. Like, time, do you feel yeah. like it? Okay. Yeah, at the time I definitely did. And, um, I definitely think it helped. Now I struggled, I struggled trying to figure out a couple things, uh, like what, like I, they put, they gave me Zoloft the first time. And, uh, so I ended up having like headaches and mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff when I would get it. And I was trying to figure that out. I was trying to figure out if it was where I was in my cycle at the time or so. So again, that was another thing that all kind of lined up. I was in the right part of my cycle. I didn't have them give me the Zoloft that time. I was listening to a certain, you know, I fit, I took me several sessions to kind of figure out what worked for my body. Um, and so that was a little bit of an issue kind of getting into that, but I was still doing it because I thought it was helping my brain. Yeah. You know, I, I have friends that have done some of the more intense stuff you know, they go to a guided plant medicine experience and, you know, they're vomiting out fear and anxiety or, <laughs> you know, whatever it is, is there, yeah. and it's just like this huge release for them of trauma and emotion. And, and, and again, I haven't personally done the, the more um, intense um, plant medicine stuff. So I have not had a personal experience with that, but my um, sense from what I've heard and what I understand is that in that place, um, you are very receptive to processing trauma and, um, seeing things in a different way, which I think can be really helpful. 
So um, let's read through a few of these Bible verses that kind of talk about, um, you know, alcohol and drug use and stuff, and then just see it, see what we say about, like, if that changes anything. Do you want to make alcohol a separate episode, though? Because, like, I feel like it is its own topic. Okay. Yeah, we can make that separate. All right. So then just, then I'll skip the, the ones on the alcohol piece. Um, but Galatians 5, 19 through 21, the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. So I, th I think here, the one in, in verse 20 is witchcraft, which if you look at the, the word for that is basically like, it's like pharma, pharmaco something in Greek which basically means drugs, right? Like medications, things like well, that. I think if you interpreted it that way, we, we, you would be in the, the sect of Christians that says you can't take medicine. Well, okay. So then let's look up the actual, because I'm maybe not saying it correctly, what the definition is. So give me a second here. <laughs> but it's like, uh, and then well, kind of, you know, there are sects of people that are like, well, right. Yeah. No, I don't believe that, that the Bible tells us that we can't take medication, like for sure. But so the, the, so the original, um, word for witchcraft is in this version, it's sorcery, it's far pharmakia, pharmakia, the use of medicine, drugs, or spells, but the intention of the usage is magic, sorcery, enchantment. Yeah. Um, so yeah. pharmakia properly drug related sorcery, like the practice of magical arts, the use of medicine, drugs, or spells. So, yeah, I think it goes back to what you're talking about. I think everything can be used for good or bad, but I don't think it's inherently right. bad. And that's why it is. I do think that it's very important. And actually people that guide you through this stuff will tell you, like, you need to go in with an intention. <laughs> like, you don't just right. like take stuff and just go, woo, right. what's going to happen to me? You know, like, no, you have to have a purpose for it. And I think yes. that, I think that essentially, if you boil it down, it's, it is taking away some of your physical and conscious walls and blocks that if you're really struggling with something and you're really struggling with processing something or seeing something differently or emotionally moving past something and you've tried all these other things, I think there is potential for these types of things to help you. I don't think this is necessarily something that everybody should do. I'm, I'm definitely not saying, oh, you know, let's, let's everybody make, should go try doing some psychedelics. Yeah. yeah like everybody go after dinner tonight and this becomes the new, you know, dessert after every day. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying here. And I don't want people to misconstrue what I'm saying. I just think if I had to summarize it, I do think if it's done with intention, with the right intention, there's a time and a place where it can assist people in processing trauma. Um, Okay, so then let's dive a little bit deeper into what you interpret Galatians, because I'm I'm curious about this now. The acts of the flesh are obvious, and then list stuff, adultery, and witchcraft, slash sorcery, slash what we just read as medicines, spells, and what was the other thing? Medicine, spells, well, I think, or drugs. Like we talked about this before. I think, like, I don't, I don't really know why we... Um, overanalyze things as much as we do as Christians because I'm like 
there are people in today's society that call themselves witches. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, I don't think you're accidentally going to become a witch. (laughs) Well, okay, granted, but you're like the other version that I read says adultery and sorcery. So it's not really witchcraft, it, but the, oh, so the original sorcery and witchcraft, I mean, what do you, what are we going to term that as today? You know? Well, I guess what I want to talk about is what you, what you think this, this uh, verse says about the drugs slash medication uh, interpretation, right? Like you can see how people would argue that. I think, it always, I think it's so much, I think so much of what we do depends on your purpose and your intention. I mean, with so many things in life, it depends on your purpose and your intention. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of things can be used for bad. I think a lot of things, I mean, look at sex. There are several sexual things listed in that list, right? Several be mm-hmm. several ways to take sex and use it as an abomination, as something that hurts other people, as something that um, is painful as something that causes trauma, as something that inflicts wounds. And yet in its original design, it was created as something to build intimacy, to have this incredible vulnerability and connection with your lifelong partner, right? It's supposed to be this magical, beautiful thing, spiritual in some sense. And instead people use it in a way that is incredibly painful and hurtful and causes harm. Mm-hmm. So I think it, it, I think it's the same thing. Yeah. Um, I well, so I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking of like with drugs and medicine. Um, you know, obviously we have the plant medicine which was provided by God, and then we've got the medications that are made by drug companies, and you see the evil behind what's going on with that because. Um, while I'm not anti-drug and I never have been, I mean, I'm a doctor, right? I prescribe them, but you know, I've, I've thought a little bit about what this verse means and, and the dependency that we have developed into in prescribing medications for everything. Like, oh, you're depressed? Well, instead of, you know, like we've been talking about, instead of processing what you're depressed about or what's upsetting, like, let's just give you some antidepressants, which now research is showing is actually not helpful in right. depression outcomes. Right. And so, you know, then it, it starts to think, okay, well then they become addicted essentially like physically you have a hard time coming off of a lot of those antidepressants, right? It take it. Some people are stuck on them. Like they literally can't wean off. So then we've got this, this, you know, chemically induced uh, alteration of that person's brain chemistry that if instead the doctor had worked with them to help change, you know, make sure they're getting the nutrients that they need through their diet and that their stress management and that they're addressing any of the trauma in their past. If we were, you know, turning to God, I mean, like, as I've mentioned before, there's so much research about how a regular spiritual practice, specifically people engaged in a specific religion has positive outcomes in those mental, emotional things, chronic pain, you know, all those things. And so, this, as I'm reading this, I'm just wondering, like, does he kind of lump some of the, you know, and, and then you think about all the corruption that happens in, in politics as a result of, you know, pharma, uh, well, we'll call it big pharma, right? Like 
uh, I will mention, not mention a certain thing that happened a couple of years ago where it was mandated that everybody oh, had something done. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like, you start seeing where people start controlling. And then, like, medicine has totally veered away from actually helping, like, first do no harm. We clearly are no longer practicing that as our first tenet of medicine. And that is very clear on multiple counts where again, this mandate happened, like that was not in the best interest for many people. And yet that was not taken into consideration for those individuals. Or I have a client now who she clearly needs some support from a cortisol level, like, and there's a medication called Cortef that could help to support that. Instead, and it's very low dose, very minor side effects, but instead of that, the doctor wanted to prescribe a narcotic stimulant that is a schedule for addictive substance because she said that that was something she was more comfortable with. And I'm like, how is that first do no harm? And, and so we start seeing this trend where now we're, we're prescribing medications, we're you know, expecting medications to solve our problems instead of putting in the work reaching out to God, engaging in, you know, counseling and things like that, that, you know, a lot of people are still uncomfortable with, because it means that there's something wrong with them. You know what I mean? And so I feel like there's a reason why this word specifically was put into the Bible, maybe not saying that drugs are inherently bad, but if we're turning to them first, if we're turning to our doctor for a prescription for something, instead of turning to God for guidance and support, I think that's a problem. Well, I, you have hit on, there's like 10 different levels on what you just said. And it, it's like, we could pull apart every single one, but my general perspective of that whole process is that when we think that we know more, like we know more than God or yeah. that we can make something better than God made it, then you are destined to come up against problems with it. So, I mean, it is the whole, it's the whole argument of um, like natural immunity, for example, if you want to bring that up, right? Like if you think that you can like improve on your body's ability to natural, like you're, you're not going to, <laughs> right? Like there's, there's no way because it is a natural inherent God created thing that humans will never. And that is part of, that is part of the issue with culture and the world and society of all history is that they continue to try to usurp God's knowledge and say, well, he doesn't exist. Or if he does exist, I can be as smart as him. And yeah. not acknowledging that there is inherent intelligence within nature, because that's how God designed it. We come from nature, we're part of nature. And then we were separated from nature um, and, and made a little bit differently. But we came from dirt. We are part of nature and we were designed mm -hmm. with nature to work in tandem with it. So from a, from there's a, there's a issue with when you talk about from the top down, the perspective of, you know, we were talking about that first, right? Intention, 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 their intention at the top is to make money. It's not to heal people. Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. Money, right. So from there in that industry, you have that model of the world, right? As a consumer, if you are a, a Christian, there is a balance of, I think of reckon, I am totally convinced that God did provide 
everything that we need in nature. Yes. I'm totally convinced of it. Now, that's why I love being like an herbal medicine person. Like yeah. God's medicine is the best. We just need to use it in a, in a way that, yeah. Now, have we discovered all of it? Probably not. Will we ever discover yeah. all of it? Maybe not. I don't know. They're continuously discovering things all the time. And you do see the the issues. So I'll, I mean, here's a great example. Um, I uh, got my metal fillings to uh, removed recently. And so I probably shouldn't say this. I don't know if I can get in trouble for it or not. There is a supplement that was a supplement years ago. That's completely natural. It binds mercury in a really effective way. There's no side effects. It pulls metal out of your fatty tissues. So where, you know, where your mercury goes up to your brain and gets stored. And it's really, really effective at this. And it, and there's no side effects. It's, it's incredibly beneficial. And people were seeing such benefits from it that the FDA got involved and said, well, we have to turn this into a drug. Well, because of yeah. that, it's taken off the supplement market and they, um, uh, are basically keeping it out of reach because it's going through all these trials. Well, if it ever eventually gets out of the trials, they um, will then turn it into a prescription where it's a very limited use prescription. And and regular old people like me who just got their amalgams, amalgam, whatever you call them, out, amalgams, thank you, um, are not going to have access to it, right? Well, I'm not going to tell you how, but I have access to it and I'm using it. But um, great but but that's a real that's a very clear example of how you make something and that was that supplement specifically what it was originally derived from natural substances right and now they're taking something that's natural away from you and turning it into something that is now unnatural and restricted and so it's like you always if you always go back to like this this was safe it was natural it had an incredible benefit from Mm -hmm. the toxicity that essentially we're now getting from living in the world that we're living in right Right. um and so I when I think about that I think yes there's everything we need and so it's it we are responsible for our own life and our own choices. And so I feel like you do, it is your responsibility to prioritize your health. And it is your responsibility. If you really truly believe that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, if you really believe that, I think, you know, because people will counter it with vanity, right? No. If you truly believe that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, I think you should take care of it. Well, guess what? He gave us all the tools to take care of it in nature because we were designed to work with nature. We're designed to be out walking barefoot. We're designed to be hugging some treats. We're designed to be eating fruits and vegetables. and fresh air, getting sunshine. Designed to absorb the sun. Did you, this is, we're really getting off topic here, but did you know, did you know that a high percentage of skin cancers are, they pop up on areas of the body that don't get exposed to sun. And did you also know that if you develop melanoma after a history of using sunscreen through your life, you have a 90% chance of dying from it. But if you get, if you don't use sunscreen and you get melanoma, you've only got a 20% chance of dying from it. Did you know I, that? I knew that sunscreen was problematic, but I did not know that statistic. That's really interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, was floored when I read that. Yeah. But I mean, that's, that's my point is like, you have, we are so like we have things so messed up in our minds where we look at history and we're like, we had entire cultures that worshiped the sun. 
Yeah. Like, and, and so many cultures throughout history live most of their lives outside. Yeah. And we want to blame the sun for our health problems today. Like, I'm sorry. That's just so high not from it. it. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, a little off topic, but when you're looking at that, I think intention is everything. So I think if you come from the perspective of, you know, Hey, like, like my cancer is a good example. Like I was like, Hey, coming into this, I was able to see back in 2019 that I had probably a list of 20 different things that could have contributed throughout my life to cancer developing in my body. Now, some of those were emotional. Some of them were toxicity and chemicals. Some of it was the fact that I was raised next to a nuclear power plant. Like, you know, you just like that leaked multiple times, you know, and people in the surrounding area got cancer. And so there's a lot of things that contributed. Like some I had uh, an active role in and some didn't, right? Mm-hmm. And all you can do at the time is do your best when you know what you know. And two years prior to developing or two years prior to getting the diagnosis is when I had really started doing all of my functional diagnostic nutrition work and really like working on my health on a deeper level and running the labs and doing all all this stuff. And I had seen health improvements from that. And so when I went into this, I was like, you know, I want to do everything as naturally as possible. I did a lot of research at this point in time. There's not a lot that's really, that I couldn't really pull a definitive this process works for my specific cancer, but, and this is not norm, this is not super common, but the chemo that has been discovered for my particular cancer was like 95% effective. Like I had a 95% chance that I could get through it. So then my, what I did was I did a combination. I said, okay, well, if I'm going to use this man-made substance that is going to be toxic for my body, I have a high percent chance that it's going to work for me. But I'm also going to base um, a lot of my decision in the fact that I really built up my health over the past couple of years. And I'm kind of holding on to that, carrying me through and helping me afterwards. And Mm -hmm. oh, by the way, during the process, I'm going to take high dose vitamin C in between my chemo sessions. And I'm going to work with an integrative oncologist to give me natural supplements to fortify my body so that while I'm taking this toxic substance, that um, I'm protecting my organs while allowing the chemo to work. So I I think there is a level of doing as much as you can naturally and then using integrative things when you have to because we live in the world that we live in. Like Mm -hmm. none of us, most of us are not living off the grid. So we are, it doesn't matter how, I mean, if you come into my house, it is like this, um, like I love my house. When we built it, I was like, we're gonna have pure water in the entire house, like our showers, our pure water. If we, um, yeah, I'm going to have this air purifier in the house that does like, it's attached to the HVAC. It goes everywhere. We're like, we were really conscientious, right? Even with all of this stuff that we do and the way that we eat and all this kind of stuff, I'm exposed to garbage every day. And there's no way to get around that, right? Very few people live off grid and live totally naturally and aren't going to get exposed to something. And so when you look at stuff like that and talk about that verse, my thought is, that yes, your job as an individual is to have good intentions to use what God has given us, um, to value what God has given us, utilize it to the best of your ability. And then beyond that, you know, just be, just make the decisions, um, conscientiously about what you choose to use and how. Yeah. And, and I think I would agree with you that, you know, we have a, a, um, hierarchy of kind of decision-making 
you work on lifestyle changes first, right? And then you look at, you know, the next thing, and then you look at the next thing. So then we look at supplements and then you can look at, you know, medication and you look at surgery. So you want to go from least intervention to most. And so I think that that is like in conventional medicine, you go from like, you skip everything up until the top levels. And then you're like medication, surgery. Like those are the last two things that should be done, but those are the first two things that a conventional approach is going to do. And I think that this verse here that we've been talking about is really saying, hey, you need to work on these lower levels. You need to work on your relationship with me, with, you know, with God. I, you need to work on making sure that you're filling your body with nutritious foods. You need to work on getting back out into nature and, and you know, doing less work and less running around and, you know, just do less and relax more and, you know, come commune with me. That's what I feel like it's talking about instead of like the quick fix. So we can continue living our life of like, hurry, hurry, hurry and ignoring God kind of thing. Right. And I think everything in that list too, is very self-gratification to the point of like pleasure, not health. What list? Oh, over here. Yeah. The sexual immorality, impurity, idolatry, hatred, discord. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely of the world. I think those are definitely things of the world. I think that the medication is of the world. It's not to mean that you can't utilize it as well, a tool. Like, I don't... Yeah, it's like someone mentioned this the other day when you're talking about things of the world. Um, but it's like, okay, well, neurosurgeons aren't mentioned in the Bible, but I think if you needed to have a brain tumor removed, you would be thankful for them, right? right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's right. It's like, just because it's not listed somewhere as a pre-approved, thing, you know, God, like, I'm so convinced that, you know, there are, there's a reason, you know, we are creative beings and we create things. And, and that is an amazing skill that he has given us and for sure have different abilities within that realm. And so like, and this shows up with, with addiction and recovery and all this kind of stuff too, where sometimes on the spiritual side, people are like, well, you should just be able to pray it away. And I'm like, okay, well, First of all, that's not the way God made it work. Unfortunately, for most yeah. people, that's not what happened. Yeah. And yeah. secondly, he has given us these processes that these people have created. We are allowed to use them. Yeah, you know? I, so- I do. I do agree with that. And so I don't want anybody to, to mistake the fact that I'm saying, well, we shouldn't be using medication. But my main point is like, that shouldn't be the first thing that we turn to. Like if we're working on all of the other things and we still need support, Medication is very appropriate. Like I am a big fan of using all tools available to us, but it should be like the shortest amount of time. Like you shouldn't be on an antidepressant for 20 years. I'm sorry. You just shouldn't like, it should be a short-term solution while your doctor is helping you figure out what else is going on in your body so that you can fix it and then get off the medication. Right. I mean, that's the way that I look at all meds. Now, granted, there are certain medications that you will need to be on forever, Um, and I'm not saying, you know, that's not appropriate when it's appropriate, but like, I can't tell you how many times people have been on, on, um, acid blockers for like 30 years. I've seen this so much in like my gut health. Um, like I would have people and it drives me crazy. Yeah. I would have people come with like, I don't know, 10 plus medications. And we would, and I had a client that while she was working with me on these natural things, got off eight of them. Yeah. Like, and that happens all the time with, with us too. Yeah. It was yeah. And, and, you know, you're talking about antidepressants and stuff like, um, 
in my betrayal practice now, I, or my betrayal coaching, I run a neurotransmitter panel and we look at amino acids to support mm-hmm. a production of these in your brain if they are imbalanced, but you and the nutrient deficiencies that could be contributing to those imbalances as well. Yes. And this is going to shift as you process these emotions mm-hmm. that are so significant. And like I had, I had run one on an addict one time and his serotonin was like so dramatically improved on the second mm-hmm. lab that, um, he had also gone gluten-free and I was mm-hmm. like, listen, like, this is huge for you because I think two things happened. Like one, you stop like it, it, gluten is sticky and inhibits like the absorption of serotonin in your gut. And so like one, I think your body is producing more now, which is amazing. And two, you're absorbing it. And so his yeah. levels from like the first test to the second, and he had just gotten off an antidepressant. And so awesome. we were like, Hey, let's, let's support your brain as much as possible. And the difference between the first test and the second test was like mind blowing. And his comment basically was, it still takes the quote unquote edge off like the antidepressant, but now I actually have a normal range of emotions, meaning he had the ability to be sad if something sad happened and he cared, Mm -hmm. there was a sense of caring about what happened in life that wasn't there on the medication. Now I know people have different responses to medication, but for him, it numbed him out. Right. So this was a, a big difference for him. Yeah. Yeah. And, and definitely, I mean, you know, initially when I said that, sir, that the SSRIs, antidepressant medications have been shown not to improve mood. Like I definitely know people that have been on it, that it has absolutely improved their mood. So I'm not saying like, it's not ever appropriate, but I think my main point is just like, we're so quick to jump to medications because we're trained that like when you go to the doctor with a problem, they give you a medication, you grow up expecting that response. And so trying to switch back the other way. And luckily like the pendulum is swinging. I think more people are aware of this and that this is now like the medication dependence is a problem. And we're starting to see more people, you know, reaching out for the gut healing and working on all that stuff. But I have the same experience. Like I have, you know, my population is people with chronic migraines. So we're seeing like 20 to 30 migraine days a month, like insanity, insanity. And the medications are sometimes helpful, but they're usually on six, seven, eight of them. And by the time we're done working on everything we're working on, they're usually off of all of their acute medication. They're usually off of half of the other, you know, like SSRIs or what, you know, propanolol or whatever else they might be on. And it all comes back to, you know, looking at the nutrient imbalances, looking at the hormone imbalances, working on detoxification support, working on cellular metabolism. And, and when you work on all of those things, just with nutritional things, like you can see such a huge improvement and, and yet that's not the way that we really go because that's not the way we've been trained, you know? And so I think that to me, that's what this verse here that, you know, the Galatians 5, 19 through 21 that we've been talking about really brings, brings home to me is that there are so many things we can do without adding in medication. And, and again, if it's a tool that we need in the short term, fantastic, use it but then getting off of it because we're doing the work that we need to do to support our bodies instead of just being like, oh good, I feel a little bit better now. And let's continue on the same way we've been, you know, living our life because that's just what we're used to doing instead of, you know, putting in the work to try to figure out how do I need to change things in order to feel healthier and better. I think part of the reason this has happened is because in the past two to three generations, things have dramatically shifted. Oh, for in sure. Society in the world. And so like, if you think about 
the generation of our grandparents that I'd like, even just say in our generation, yeah. like since we've been alive. Well, oh, definitely. But like, I think if you look at like the generation that was raised yeah. like in World War II, um, you, they were living 100% before World War II, essentially on food that was grown in the garden or their local neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And it, it was so fresh. It was so nutrient dense, even with the soil at that time. And so then they have, they start in like the fifties and sixties to discover chemicals, right. And chemical combinations and medications and stuff like this. And so you have this population that has this really great, um, microbiome to start with that they lived for decades with. And so they have a really great immune system. They have a really strong mm -hmm. gut. They have all these different things. And then th these miracle drugs come out and it's like, okay, well, sure. Like you're going to use one if it helps, you know, whatever illness or whatever they were coming up with. Right. And so that, right. So you have like this 90% natural lifestyle. And of course we're going to trust the doctors and use the medication. And it probably for the most part worked out okay, right? Like one of the best yeah. inventions in the history of medicine was painkillers. <laughs> uh, pain, I, I mean, was gonna say antibiotics, but sure, okay. Well, I, I when you research the history of cancer, um, painkillers really stands out to me tremendously because people were literally butchered in the name of researching cancer. And so, and, and the drugs that they had before they had painkillers, like just demolished your body. I mean, they do anyway, but the benefit of not having to feel so much pain, I think is, is tremendous, yeah. but yeah, and antibiotics. So yeah. <laughs> you have these things that are real, you know, modern day miracles, right? And of course we want to use these. And then, but then you shift all the way to today's society where 90% of what we are raised on is um, chemical processed um, nutrient void foods that our microbiomes are so messed up it's impacting our brains and so now you have a generation of people that were raised on that type of nutrition and a lot of medication as first line answers and it's a completely different scenario and so well, i think and not only that even the fresh grown fruits and vegetables are shown to have up to like 90 times less Right. of the vitamins that it had even even it was like what 60 years ago i think they said um and it so it's like one carrot now or no one carrot back then is worth 100 carrots now as far as the nutritional aspect because we've just demolished our the nutrients in our soil so yeah i mean just to speak with what you're saying even the fresh grown stuff that we have available to us is still nutrient devoid compared to where it was you know half a half a century ago so when we look at that, I think there is, there's always a balance, right? There's this pendulum swing of, okay, well, they lived this totally natural lifestyle back in the day, but then they would die from things that antibiotics could save them from, <laughs> right? Yeah, right? right. And today we live this total, total chemical-based um, nutrient void life. And it's like, guess what vitamins can save us at this yeah. point, right? Yeah. And so I think what, what we're talking about is, coming back to, if you, if we believe that God created us and we were designed to work with nature, really respecting that and yeah. doing our best to get back to as much of that as the foundation. And then taking these modern day miracles that God has given people the creativity and the wisdom to design for us and use them in an appropriate way with an appropriate balance, knowing that as long, you know, if I am focusing on all of these ways to, to make my body healthy, and to honor what we consider the temple of the Holy Spirit, like valuing that, 
and yes. putting putting a majority of your weight into that. And yeah. then you you look at everything else and if it can serve you and be utilized with um, purpose, fine. Yeah. Well, and I like, you know, I think that with, with anything, um, and this comes back to kind of that, that free choice, not having anything forced upon you or mandated is, you know, just seeking God's guidance in all of it. You know, do you, is this the right approach for me? Because, you know, if I'm going to pray on it, should I be taking this medication? Should I not be taking this medication? Should I try the psychedelics? Should I not try the psychedelics? And he'll answer us. So we'll know, you know, I think that as uh, if we seek God in all things, like we're going to have the right answer of what tools we should be using for us, which might be di- like what I would be using. It's going to be different than what somebody well, else. Right. And I mean, with your history of, um, you know, using too much alcohol, right? Like you may have a very different perspective of what your body can yep. tolerate or not tolerate when it comes to doing something like that or having an experience, right? Like, that, right? like yeah. if you are, if your tendency is to chase the high, then whether or not something is going to help you deal with trauma may not be the right avenue for you to deal with trauma if it's going to trigger that in your brain. Yep. But somebody else who's like, I've never had that issue. I don't have a genetic component towards that. And um, I'm strictly looking at this as a medicinal process um, and it's going to be guided and it's supervised and there's a purpose. Maybe that would work for them. Yeah, good conversation, good discussion. Thanks. Um, <laughs> that's good. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our mission on this podcast is to probe topics within the Christian faith to ensure that what we believe is in alignment with scripture and that we understand why we believe what we do. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd love for you to leave a five-star review and share it with a friend. Did this topic challenge your belief? Did we give you a new perspective? Or did it solidify what you already knew to be true? Leave us a comment and tell us your thoughts. We can't wait to hear from you.